0: Future Self Podcast, episode 33.
1: You need to figure out ways to connect and and adjust your arguments, but maintain your principles and deliver them through channels to where the young people are today because they're not hearing that message.
0: This is the Future Self
2: Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Ingalls.
0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Future Self Podcast, your resource for knowledge, insight, and inspiration to make your future self your biggest fan. You know, I should totally start a podcast. If you have ever said those words, then you are in the right place. I am teaming up with Advent Coworking to bring you Advent Podcast University, Charlotte's first comprehensive podcasting course designed to take you from your idea that you have right now to being on iTunes in four short weeks. Now, whether you're a hobbyist or you're ready to create a business and a brand around your podcast, this course provides you with the tools to bring your unique vision to life. Even if you're still trying to nail down that perfect podcast idea, we have you covered there too. So if you're ready to take your idea and get it on iTunes, go to yourpod.pro to sign up for details. Yourpod.pro. All right, let's jump into today's show. This week, I was in the studio with newly minted Charlotte City Council members Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston. Now, politics isn't generally known for its hip factor. So when I found out Charlotte's newest City Council members had launched a podcast, I knew I had to have them on the show. One of the infinite reasons I love podcasting is the ability to cut through the noise and communicate your message directly to your listener. There's no gatekeeper deciding if your segment is good, and there's no sound bites to get taken out of context. Larkin and Tarek record their podcast right after their Monday night city council meetings, so when District 1 and 6 want to know what their council members think about the meeting, all they have to do is press play the next morning. I would say what distinguishes this show, but there really aren't any shows like it yet to distinguish it from. So I'll say the real cherry on top of this for me is that Larkin is a Democrat while Tarek is a Republican. So they're giving their respective constituents a unique opportunity to hear perspectives from different sides of the aisle on the issues that matter most to them. All right, let's jump into it. You're listening to Tark Bakari and Larkin
2: Eggleston on the Future Self Strong. Podcast. Not bad. And Woo-hoo. apparently uh, our friends on the Charlotte Podcast haven't had a chance to listen to this week's episode, but apparently he imitates slash, I don't know, mocks me by trying to uh, do my radio announcer guy mm. voice on the Charlotte Podcast this week. So
1: I don't listen to their podcast, so you'll have to tell me about it. Ooh. Ooh. Just kidding. Sick We burn. love those guys. Oh. They're on my subscription list now. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do well, you could be that that guy too. Oh, that's so much pressure at the top of the show. <laughs> well,
0: I'll go and jump in. I have been my wife actually sent it to me because I have taken a media hiatus because I need my my brain to come back around and get settled. Mm. And my wife sent me the article that was published in uh, I think it was on Charlotte Observer where you are it was in one of the the Charlotte
2: might have been friend of the podcast, David
0: Borax from WFAE. Mm-hmm. Right, and I, uh, she sent me that, and I'm like, oh my, I've got to get these guys <laughs> on the podcast because there's not a lot. You don't, are not really seeing much of that. There's a lot of podcasting happening, but most of the stuff in Charlotte is just people like me. People are like, I want to start talking in a microphone and see if somebody will listen. Yeah,
2: uh, I'm, you might have misread what we're doing, but that's literally the same conversation <laughs> we had. Indeed, it's awesome. Hey, I we mean, like to talk and. We don't
1: care whether anyone's listening or not. You mentioned it before we we started uh, recording, but um, I you know you're you're kind of a nerd like us for the spoken word, kind of in your head, in your ears, just that kind of sound with that without some of the visuals. Um, you know, I, I think there's just some some kind of magic to it where you put your headphones on. And you I listen to different fintech and then different political podcasts. It's just really cool.
0: Yeah, and that and you're I'm in the audio space. I kind of stumbled into it. I was an attorney, litigation attorney for a number of years. And then I got married and my wife was like, I'm ready to have a kid. And I was like, I, I can't be this guy for another 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I found my way into podcasting. I won't tell the whole story because my listeners are like, boring. We've heard it too many times. But uh, that audio space has just, two years ago when I really got into it, it wasn't what it is now. And it was more of a passion thing for me. And then all it, it seemed like all of a sudden like serial hit and then S-Town followed that up and, you know, Barack Obama went on Mark Marin's podcast and all of a sudden podcasting was in the common vernacular. You know, like grandmas are like, what is this podcast?
1: As a technical nerd like you doing all of the actual work of editing our podcast. Thank you, Larkin. My pleasure. Um, I'll tell you, podcasting today in order to do it is much like editing a home movie in 1998. I mean it is incredibly challenging and if you don't use all Apple products, there's like an extra seventy steps.
0: Yeah, and I tell people that too. Like I teach a podcasting class here at Advent and I say if you're not using a MacBook, you need to start. Yeah. Because I've tried to do some of that work on other platforms and I'm like, I it's it's, it's yeah. Harder, I feel like a monkey at a typewriter.
2: <laughs> to to the point about podcasting becoming something that's much more commonly known. Um I, I made a good podcast joke last night, actually. So I was at the Me- the Greenways from well, Mecklenburg. The judge of that Greenways from <laughs> Mecklenburg meeting last night at Resident Culture Brewing, and the uh, one other elected official there was County Commissioner Matthew Rodenauer, mm-hmm. and the host of the event last night gave a shout out to Tark and I's podcast and said he really liked that There being a, a bipartisan podcast, all the transparency that we're, we're trying to achieve as new council members. And, uh, and he said, he'd like to see something similar coming from the County commission. So given that once given the chance to speak, I said, I'd give Matt Ridenour a pass because he couldn't have a bipartisan podcast on County commission without having <laughs> another cu- County commissioner who knew what a podcast was.
1: Well, Vilma leak would be a, uh, that would, I would tune into that episode. That'd be a long leak. podcast. Right now
0: we're in leak. You can't stop a leak. Oh, now that's the good show name there. <laughs> I like that. So, you know, both of you are new council members. Was if we were to go back and ask seventh grade Tark and Larkins classmates, would they be surprised that we're uh, making decisions that affect you know the <laughs> in city? a word in a
2: word yes <laughs> indeed <laughs> indeed. If you'd asked. Seven years ago, friend, well, no, not seven years ago. I mean, this wasn't something I don't think anyone would have predicted. I'd be the one out of my high school or college friend group that would end up, uh, running for office other other than the fact that I've always liked to talk, but I don't, um, I didn't take, I didn't take school as seriously in high school as I should have. I didn't always take school in college as seriously as I should have. It's something that I think upon moving to Charlotte and taking on more adult responsibilities, I started to pay attention to more of what was going on in the city and more of how the government impacted my day-to-day life and my neighbor's day-to-day lives. And uh, over time started to see how I could get involved and how I could affect change in those spaces and ultimately decided, um, like many of us did this past year, that the, the best place for me to be if I wanted to have an impact on, on the direction our city is going was to be in elected office.
1: I, you know, that's a really interesting question. I was just thinking about that. I, I don't know if it's a bit of my own interpretation and the chip on my shoulder I, I've always carried or what my friends would think, or more importantly at that time, probably the, their parents and my teachers. I, I would have thought, you know, the, the sentiment then was, I mean, this guy's just going to be a, a a huge failure. And I mean, I, I have a we won't go into it, but I have a, a great personal story of upward mobility and you know, to the to the point of what I imagine people looked at me, where I was, you know, wild ADD style in the classroom. You know, I was basically on my own after the age of sixteen. Um, you know, it's 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 probably shocking to a lot of folks that were in my seventh grade class that uh that I was you know doing anything more than um, you know uh, uh, just something very basic, right? And that's
0: one of the things I kind of like to dive in around here is where were you and what did it take to get where you went? Because I have a similar story to yours, kind of that backstory. If there would have been a superlative in seventh grade, it would have been most likely to probably be a loser in jail. Most likely to fail.
1: Yeah, Is that one?
0: absolutely. And, <laughs> mine, and I would did. Have been, mine would
2: have been class clown.
0: Yeah. Like in eighth grade, I failed eighth grade and because I just, I didn't like it. And my parents were gone before I left for school and they didn't get home until after I went back. So I just stopped going yeah. and they found out eventually they were very displeased. And, uh, <coughs> And so I had a very different track. And ultimately, you know, I kind of drew it together and went to college, went to law school. And, and they felt like, oh, you got it together. You did it. And then I came to my mom and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. She's like, you don't want to what? And, but she took it really Mom, well. have you heard of podcasting? <laughs> yeah.
1: She's like, can you please stay a lawyer?
0: And she said, what casting? And, uh, and at that point, but at the same time, I mean, within 30 days, she was like, all right, let's do it. And she helped me even buy my rig. She believed in it so much. Uh, so.
1: And look at you now. You've got guests too like us on this. I mean, right. you've made it. Made man. it. You made totally it. made it. It's <laughs> like another bad joke from Dark. Fantastic. <laughs> Very good. But
0: that's that's one of the things I like my listeners. Uh, as my listenership has developed, it's been a lot of people who took that preordained path. Mm-hmm. They went to college. They sometimes got a master's degree. They got that job. And now they're in their mid-30s, and they hate what they're doing. And and they almost have no idea what to do with it, and and I take great pleasure in, in in discussing with those people because they reach out to me frequently and they're like, how how did you how were you even able to make that decision, and and it's one of the, you, you just make it, you literally just kind of step out and, and and do it, and so when you made that decision to be a city
2: council member, you know you, what how did that happen, well to something you just said I. I think everybody at some point in their lives, and maybe for some folks it's not until they retire and then they have the ability to do whatever they want without having to worry about what sort of income it produces. But I think thankfully for me, I realized at a much earlier age that that you can't put a price on enjoying what you do every day. Um, there's no amount of money that makes doing something you hate worthwhile. Um, and so long as you're making enough money that you can meet your basic needs and not have to, to worry month to month about paying your rent uh, or your mortgage or your bills. Um, Doing something you love, you quickly stop caring how much you're making. Again, so long as you're meeting those basic needs and, and not having to worry about it, um, the, the must haves instead of the the nice to haves. But I think for me, it was I have a job that's flexible. We've all maintained our quote unquote day jobs as we do this uh city council is technically part-time. It's not in reality. You're um, not you're not rolling in it. Is that what you're saying? No, no. Um I'm doing I'm now doing two jobs and I'm still not rolling in it. But I enjoy both of the jobs that I do. And so I had a career path and and a company that I've worked with for long enough and a boss that I have enough trust and rapport with that I was able to to go to him and say this is something that's important to me. This is something I want to do. I'll make both work. Um, I won't fall short in my responsibilities to you uh, as my primary source of income and, and career. Um, but it was something that mattered enough to me that I said, I know this is gonna be tough to juggle, I know this is gonna be a lot of work, uh, but I, I believe in what we can accomplish as a city council and as local elected officials, and um, I'm gonna figure out a way to do it. Yes. Oh, and I wanna back up, I was you know, browsing, doing a little
0: research on you, and you went to Johnson & Wales, and worked in restaurants for
2: some years. Was that the goal at the time? Was that kind of the long-term vision is this is who I'm gonna be? So growing up, uh, high school and college, yeah, I worked in, in restaurants since I was 16 years old. Uh, went to Appalachian State and then came to Johnson & Wales here in Charlotte and was part of their first graduating class, got a culinary arts degree. And the vision from 16 to 24 years old was uh, to be a chef and eventually a restaurant owner. Having worked in enough restaurants to see how just I mean, it is just a grind. It's a tough life. I've done the yeah. same. And so to see that and to see people that didn't have the flexibility to be with their family on holidays, that didn't have um, the flexibility to to cut out like, like Tark had to do yesterday to attend something at his son's school um, that was important to him and important to his son, you don't do that at a restaurant if you're the executive chef or you're the owner or, or Lord forbid, both. And so... At some point there again, I, I love that work. I love that industry. And I still love that industry, and I'm, I'm sort of still tangen- tangentially in it. But um, but I now have the flexibility where if you know if, if there's something that's important to me in my personal life or with my family, um, I can make the de- I can make those decisions for myself to say I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna prioritize that and. Um, so while I stay busy, I've maintained some flexibility and I, I think there's a lot of value in that too.
0: Absolutely. And that speaks to me as well. I did 10 years in the service industry and it was apparent to me really early that it wasn't going to work for me because I watched, you know, you look at the managers, you look at that head chef and you see the hours that they're putting in, I mean, 70 hours on the regular just to make it happen. And, you know, you said being there on holidays you're serving other people's families on holidays. And uh, I I enjoyed it. And there was no other place, at least in my mind, there was no other place where I could have that much fun and make that much money. So I certainly enjoyed it. But when the time came to get out, it it was uh, it was good to get out, get back to that family atmosphere. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I just went to law school because that's what you do. (laughs) So what was your path to city council uh, member kind of like? Like what at what point? Did you say I want to get involved in government because to me like when I think of that it seems like the worst thing I could ever do <laughs> like I am like the last thing I want is people turning to me and sending all that negative energy that is out in the world that's why I took a media break because there's so much negative energy how is that something that you deal with in your day-to-day
2: life Yeah, yeah. I want to I want after Tarek Dark tells his story that for me. No cir- <laughs> circle back after Tarek <laughs> tells his story to the the getting all that negative energy from people cuz I think that's uh an interesting topic yeah, to cover too. It is that's true. that's
1: true. So for, I mean, for me, I've been involved in in the political kind of scene for in Charlotte for probably about fourteen years, and I've always said the same thing. I'm I'm very Larkin could probably attest to this. I'm very uh, I'm very um, uh, blunt about kind of you know uh, why I say things. Try to be transparent on that. I've always had the same statement as to why I wanted to be uh, involved. And I think, though, that in hindsight, it actually became more true in the last couple of years, maybe, in the last five years or so, than I would have led on 10 years ago. So I, fr- I got involved in, in, in people's campaigns, served on uh, three different appointed city committees uh, where I got to deal with business, I got to deal with community relations, privatization and competition. That was all a lot of fun. And then in 2007, I was 27. Uh, and I ran for the first time in District One,
2: and uh, my, my, the district that I'm now representing.
1: I mean, I, I yeah, and, and you know, they really missed out on me there. But I actually ran <laughs> against the same person he just beat you know, seven, which was also very interesting. And that was so, a long incumbent. Yeah. Right? A long, Yeah. She, and she wasn't that long of an incumbent at that point. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't know I had no chance to win then. And in 09, I ran at large, uh, narrowly lost. I mean, as much as a Republican narrowly loses in this town. And,
2: um, In nine, they did actually narrowly lose.
1: Yeah. That was our last time. That was the last time there was a Republican at large, Edwin Peacock. And then it was, uh, uh after that term it was done. Um, but, uh, what I used to say then was, "This is my way of, of serving the public. This is like this is something that I think I would be good at. I've been good at it in the private sector. I've been good at it in the committees I've served. I feel like some people are good at, you know, baking, uh, you know, pies and cakes and and uh, and and serving the homeless and and doing different things to give back. Some people are good at raising money for charity. I feel like I was good at problem solving, at solving one thing at a time, at bringing people together, negotiating things." Um, I truly believe that. And that's why I'm doing it this time around. And, and I decided to jump back in, actually, hesitantly. My wife and I talked about it, and we're like, are we really prepared to get back on the stage and scrutinized in that way? Because both of us, your, your spouse does as well, your family. Um, I truly believe that I have an expiration date now, and I'm coming in here, and that's one of the reasons you see, like, man, are, are you guys shaking up too many things? You do? I have this urgency because I'm not going to do this forever. I'm going to come in and if I'm going to sacrifice the, you know, my family time, the money I could be making, and the things I could be doing in the private sector for this. This is my way to give back. I'm going to do it fast, hard, and with a sense of urgency. But being honest with myself, you know, the te- the Tark ten and eight years ago. While he said that exact same thing, it was probably a little bit of, man, it would be w- look important to sit behind the dais. You know, the, the people that call you all the time and want to talk to you, not you pestering them to have a seat at the table. All that stuff was sexy. And, you know, it, it, there is a sense of gratification to it. I just, I think I actually believe now much more that I'm trying to do something here because I've had more personal, professional, you know, private sector experiences since then where I got that feeling uh, kind of
2: resolved. So I managed to hold a thought for that long. I do want to circle back to where you said um it's why would you want to sign up for all that negativity? And there is um undoubtedly like you are the the whipping boy for anything that goes wrong, even if it's not something the city whipping actually does person. because uh well I'm just the whipping just, boy. And, and, and I'll say, I, I, have, speaking I'm of myself only,
0: I have gone out of my way, even though you're both men, I've gone out of my way to not say council men as I've been
2: promoting it. Yeah, it's <laughs> blush. Thanks um, members. But you are the person that people are going to call. The average person um, rightfully doesn't, doesn't necessarily know what the city does versus the county versus the state. And so um, city council person is just something that that everybody's kind of like, oh, well, I have a city council person. I'll, I'll hit them up. And you do. So you get tons of emails about and it's all the cliche stuff. I mean, you, you actually get emails about potholes and streetlights and um, parking tickets. and Which is awesome. Love, <laughs> but, I mean, love helping. You can help. Well, right. Person. And that's where I'm headed. But I, it's it's funny because all those are the cliches. And you think, well, no one's actually going to email me about a pothole. But like they actually are. And
0: I think what I'm hearing here, listeners, is if you get a parking ticket,
2: Tarek and Larkin want to hear about it. Yeah, Larkin does. That's actually not what I was saying. <laughs> um, but so the nice thing is that one – or two really, really positive interactions with a constituent where you genuinely feel like I helped this person when no one else would, I fixed something that otherwise wouldn't have been taken care of, that negates a hundred angry people or angry emails or people who don't appreciate the, the work we're putting in and how little we're paid to do it. And and we don't do this for appreciation, but when I had a phone call with somebody yesterday and I, w- I felt so good when I got off the phone, I had to call my wife and tell her about it. Um, cause this guy said, you know, I've been writing to people in the government for so long and I don't think anyone's ever called me. And, and just the fact that I called him made this, this older gentleman's probably weak. And then I actually got his issue resolved too. And, how appreciative he was and how, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it made me feel so good. Like I said, I had to call my wife and tell her about it. And that, that wiped away any amount of angry people that could have emailed me or called me the whole week before. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, you do find ways and the, and they're small, but you do find ways to impact people directly. And you know, you made a difference in that person's day and in that person's week. And you made them feel appreciated. And, um, that makes it all worth it very quickly,
0: yeah. the you know, you say you don't do it for appreciation, but if you get no appreciation, it becomes <laughs> psychologically very difficult to move on, probably. you know, I mean, even in your household, like I don't get up and clean the house or do the dishes because, you know, I want my wife to come over and be
1: like, I really appreciate that.
2: But you like it when, when she does, but I very much like it when she yeah. does
0: like Chris rock, uh, you know, food, water, and compliments yeah. <laughs> say nice things to me.
1: Yeah, everybody's different that serves, but I'll tell you one thing. There's a common theme of, you have to have some le- level of ego to want to do this. I mean, they, you're just humble person who hates the spotlight. You rarely see that person sitting behind any elected official kind of dais or, or thin skin. Or well, yeah. Or th- well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the right, it's not, not the
2: right uh, place. It's not the right career path for people who who don't have pretty thick skin. It's it's impo- So
1: the ego thing is a common theme I've always seen, but that's not a bad thing. It just has you just have to be self aware, and you have to realize it's not about you. But the ego thing can be a positive force to drive you to say, you know, I want to do good because I also like the feeling. You just need to recognize the difference between the selfish way it makes you feel and the good it's doing. And as long as you can balance those, understand the difference, and then harness it, so. That's the byproduct. You feeling good, and the primary objective is doing good and making the other people feel good. That—that's the. I think that separates really effective public servants and those who maybe let that balance go out of whack. Absolutely. I, I
2: would also say the the ego thing helps drive. You have to be naive enough to think that just because other people haven't figured something out, that you can. And I think that's a balance of being naive and confident. And so I think that ego thing can drive that naivety that um, naivete, naivete that, um, that allows you to think, yeah, no one else has figured this out, but I'm going to take a crack at it anyway. Right.
0: And, and I think that works across the spectrum as well. Uh, I know you're big in the tech space and I think that that is where tech comes from being, uh, I, I don't know if we want to call it naive, uh, but being that person who thinks this thing doesn't exist and I can will
2: that shit into existence. Yes. Crap! Uh, warning: ex- explicit podcast. a lot
1: of us in in the in the tech world, in the fintech world, uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of books and kind of th- theories behind it. Which is, it's the beginner's mind, right? It's the you know, I'm not smart, I'm not dumb, I'm innovative, but. I'm looking at something with a beginner's mind and I'm asking questions that maybe the mind that has been ingrained in this type of delivery mechanism or channel in the tech world or the way something's done in the in the back office, well, why can't it be done differently? And you know, it takes a beginner's mind in a lot of uh, cases to really just step back and say, why do we do it this way?
2: And we're asking a lot of those questions. And I think some people are really excited about that. And some people are really... Uh, threatened by that. Truth. Yeah, and and that's one of the questions I have for you. When
0: you come in there as uh, kind of freshman council members, are you seeing a lot of resistance from people that say this is the way we do it? I will tell you no, that. No,
1: totally I, not. It's completely. <laughs> they love resistance. everything we, we Frictionless is how we like to describe it.
2: I, I will say that there is uh, just an immense benefit to the fact that there is uh, there was a wave of us that came in together because I can tell you uh, with near certainty, what it would look like if one of us had been elected, and I—I I don't have a feeling that that would be nearly as enjoyable an de- an endeavor because for us, uh, yeah. for for us, for like shut up, boy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, new kid, go go sit in the corner, and once you get up to speed, then we'll we'll talk to you. And, and I don't, and I'm not saying that directly about my any of our colleagues I'm saying that about any elected body or any corporate board or any anything I mean if you've got a group of people who have a lot of experience and one new person comes in you know you're you're sort of the apprentice whereas with a group of us coming in and and I don't think we've wielded this in any sort of irresponsible way but it gives us a bit of of power to say we have half the votes on council so If we want to question the way things have always been done or or why certain decisions are made certain ways, we have a bit of a mandate from the people to be able to do that. And then we've got the power to back that up with votes. And so I think it has given us a louder voice and a a bigger seat at the table because we are there as a group and we're coming in and questioning these things as a group.
1: Allow me to give a timely example of this well-stated position right here. Um live streaming, perhaps you've heard of it. Hello, everyone out there. Um, so we just had a very controversial discussion of live streaming and the the, the angle I'm going to drill into, there's a lot of different sides to this, and we have to be respectful of everything. even if you do if the if the challenges are you don't understand the taxonomy or you don't understand it, yes, we need to have those dialogues and bring it up to speed. But just like, if there was one new council member, freshman that came on board and you're responsible, you you need to learn what we do and learn about zoning and learn about, uh, you know, elements of the budget and all this and then get up to speed so you can be part of the conversation. Yes, fair point. But when you've got the critical mass of new folks that are in here like this and we've been bringing up a topic week over week. To the point of, hey, we want to do something about this. All right, let's talk about it later. Uh, no, you know, we really want to push it. For anyone to one claim that we hadn't talked about it, right? That's false, right? Especially, I mean, look no further. Exhibit A: Braxton Winston sitting behind the dais with a boom mic and an iPad filming the 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 the, the show. But uh, more importantly, there's a there's a, a relevance to Larkin's point, which is when we say this is something that we want to do for a period of time. Now we have a bit more of a mandate to say it's your responsibility to ramp up on that. Just like it's my responsibility to This, if you don't know about social media and the difference between broadcasting and interaction, you need to go ramp up on that. You need to ask us questions or staff or whatever, because just like we'd be expected to in that one scenario with half the votes, if it's important to us and we're bringing it up early enough to give you time, there's a responsibility you need to step up and ramp
2: up on some of the new things that we're bringing to the table. And I think that's fair. And I think we have... We've exhibited some deference to our to our veteran colleagues in terms of asking for their insight and opinion and expertise because they have done a lot of this stuff that over over two years or four years or six years that we've not. And so we understand that they have skill sets and experiences to draw from that we can benefit from as new council members. I hope that 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 is is kind of a more a a symbiotic relationship going forward, because there are things that I think generationally we can be a huge resource on information wise. And I hope that, and I I think they will. And I think they have to some extent, but that, that some of our veteran council members will come to us and say, Hey, I feel like this is probably something you guys are are pretty up to speed on. Let's sit down and talk about it because I am certainly doing that and going, um, to the Julie Isil to the world, the Ed Driggs of the world, the Greg Phipps, the Juana Mayfields, um, to these folks, James Mitchell and saying, I know you've been doing this for a long time. Give me the backstory on this or what, how did this all come to be? And and understanding that they're going to have a knowledge on it that I won't. There are things that I think we as a, a new group will have knowledge on that we can bring to the table. And I hope and, and, I, and I believe that they'll start to tap into and, that, and, too. And,
1: and if, if I'm just trying to be fair and honest, like I always strive to be, I see that we've made a lot of that effort. We talk about this all the time. And not making it us versus them, different kind of demographics of generational divides really going out of our way. And I don't, while there are instances that I can point to where that has happened from the other side, I don't think it's been nearly enough. And the other point I just clarify is it's not doing it in a way where. It's kind of like pandering of, hey, I wanna know your position on this. And then you just kind of like sit there and let them talk. Like I approach the other side of, I really wanna know, I'm taking notes. I'm trying to figure this out. It's in a real, I wanna learn it way, not a, oh, he came by and did the perfunctory, uh, check the box of ask me a question and then let me speak back to him. It, It should be real topics. We bring things to the table. I mean, we're not just a bunch of millennials that rolled out of our parents' basement and now we've got this opportunity. All of us have done significant things. I mean, I, you know, I've been part of over a dozen acquisitions over a billion dollars. I've been part of things where we've deployed half a billion dollars in annual budget capex. I mean, we, we've we've acquired different startups. We've done material things and uh, we have different skill sets. Each one of us that should be viewed as, wow, that's an asset, not oh, it's kind of painful and they're asking questions.
0: Right. One of the things that really struck me when I was starting to research you, is one of the podcasts you were on that I listened to, I think it may have been the Charlotte podcast, uh, you talked about the bureaucracy and how it's frustrating. But at the same time, how you understood how, what a resource your staff was, the people who were there, that support structure, and the way you understood that they were there before you, and they're going to be there after you.
2: Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that is beneficial. Most The system of, them. The system of government we have, is our, our manager runs the city day to day. And when you've got a city where the mayor is, is the person calling the shots day to day, that can really create a lot of turmoil when that mayor, uh, is no, is, is no longer elected. If they are, if they either retire or if they are, um, it could create more turmoil if they are beaten, if someone runs against them and beats them, because maybe that's an unexpected change of command just overnight. Um, if they retire, hopefully there's some sort of, uh, a plan in place to say, all right, well, we've got a transition, but, um, so having that continuity of, of a strong manager, and we've got a great one in Marcus Jones, I think allows the city to not miss a beat when you have five or six new council members elected, like, like you did this past fall, the city didn't, the city kept on running because the people that are managing it day to day were still in place on November 7th, same ones on November eighth, um, and so you've got a new board of directors, so to speak, coming in and saying we might have a different vision for the path forward, and we're going to work with the manager to s- steer the ship in that direction. Um, but those day to day things, your your trash, there was no problem with your trash pickup the day after the election, or no problem with your um, with with the streets the the day after the election. So I think there's benefit there, and we've also got the benefit of having a mayor who has been on both sides of that equation. She spent um, several decades working as city staff, uh, rising as high as assistant city manager. And then she's also spent four years on Charlotte city council. So she has seen both sides of that. And again, that's a wealth of, of information and experience for us to draw from. So I think it's the perfect balance of new people are going to come in and question the system and people who have a, a great deal of experience that we can draw from. And And honestly, I think that's just about as happy a marriage as you could have to then get some some stuff done in an effective way. And
1: here's a perfect example of the power of social media, right? There's a lot of downsides. None of us are trying to say that in shaking things up with this one example of social media, we're overlooking any of the downsides. But right now, I've got this up, just like we want to in some cases with uh, social media, maybe in a phase two or three down the road with the interactive piece. Right now, we're just talking about broadcasting. Braxton's on there. And he's watching us and he's saying, you know, a couple comments there. And then I say, any points you want to relay? And he says, y'all are saying what I'm thinking. Like, how could we, other other than this specific case in this one instance, there's no way we could, we could be able to connect in digitally across this community and bring people into the fold. I've heard Braxton say it many times, which is one of his number one priorities, which happens to align with some of the principles that, and things we want to achieve is bringing more people into the fold, making things transparent. You can either do that by, you know, sending out mailers, postcards to say, come by this forum, or we can go to where the people are, which what, is social media. What, and right
0: what you're now. doing there is saying, here, throw this away.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why not go where they are? Why not take a little risk and maybe try to bring people into the fold? And from, you know, all my to, – to, to all my uh, – um, Uh, you know, more progressive friends out there. Look no further than what everyone over 5,000 people got to see in Monday night's meeting in the public forum, where one after another, a Myers Park person got up in leadership and talked about the importance of the tree canopy. And then someone from East or West Charlotte got up and talked about people dying in the streets and upward mobility and equity challenges. Bam, bam, bam. And then Larkin brings up in his comments afterwards, Is there a way and is there a precedent out there to connect these two and maybe create jobs and help save the trees all with one spend? Not only would that not have come come up without us seeing that, the community who talks about two cities here in Charlotte all the time, those two cities need to talk. And what better platform than talking here? And to my conservative friends, right? I always like to try to send a message uh, to both. If you do not want to become extinct in top 20 cities, which is where we are headed right now with how the conservative message and pl- platform and principles are being relayed, you need to figure out ways to connect and, and adjust your arguments, but maintain your principles and deliver them through channels to where the young people are today because they're not hearing that message. Boom.
0: Uh, I know that we're on a schedule here. I'd love to talk about this the rest of the day. <laughs> um, you know, I, I am a podcaster, but I want to shift to the podcast. I think that that's a, a good natural segue as well. You know, you've put in you've got live streaming back, so everyone can watch these meetings from the comfort of their own home or you know wherever they happen to be. And now, you know, you started a podcast, R and D in the QC. How did not, I do it? Okay. Not, not
2: bad. Do it, Larkin. Do it. <laughs> do it. Our podcast is called R and D in the QC with Targ Bakari and Larkin Eggleston. Today on the show, we talk about. <laughs> I feel
0: like we need like radio sound effects now and like cool Wednesdays in the morning. <laughs> We're working
1: on on upping our game
0: around kind of a production value. Oh, no. I mean, to be fair, I listen to a lot of podcasts because everyone's like, listen to my podcast. And I like to. I like to see what people are up to. But you guys, for
2: just getting into the market, you're doing good. You sound Thank good. Thank you. We've gotten a, a ton of great feedback on it. So it is R&D in the QC, R ampersand D for Republican and Democrat. But also a play on research and development, which is part of our mission oh, there. And in the QC for obviously Queen City. So we. We started it where we've just put out our fourth episode. Uh, It's available on iTunes, um, working on some other platforms, too. But I think one of the things is there's there's plenty of places where you can get political analysis. There's not a lot where you can get bipartisan political analysis. There's even less where you can get bipartisan political analysis without screaming. Um, You know, you're starting to make me feel like this should be a national show.
1: Oh, well that's ooh,
2: that's that's that might be two. that might be yeah, that might that might be face. RD seven. in the US. Um so I think that there's I think there's an appetite for that. I think too that Tark will be able to speak to listeners that might not otherwise hear his perspective, that might be tuning in because of me, and I'll be able to speak to listeners who might not otherwise be tuning in because they're there to listen to him. And so we'll be able to to find more middle ground, which I think there's a huge part of Charlotte that wants to seek compromise and 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 middle ground, um, and they're not being very well served, or or maybe haven't been in the past. And where is it most plausible to start? Locally. Local issues. So, I think you know we've enjoyed doing it. It's it's totally different than what we're trying to do by pushing for people to be able to access our meeting. That's that's watching the game, and then this is the the kind of post game analysis of how did the, why did that go down the way it went, or you know, I can't, from the dais, I can't ask Tarek why he voted the way he voted on something and and vice versa, but we can talk about that afterwards. And you can say, well, I saw, I saw the pros and cons, but I felt like this outweighed this, or, you know, that's an interesting way you, you approach that. I looked at it from a totally different angle and we can have that. We've already had state senators on, we've had our new district attorney on, we've had our colleagues on city council, uh, come on as guests of the show. So By having gotten a a decent sized audience for a very new show, we've already got people, very high profile people who really impact this community asking us, hey, when can I come on the show? So it's an opportunity for us to create kind of intergovernmental dialogue and relationships um, and let them get their messages out to the people. Um, And again, it's just the more channels you give people. I don't think the, that expanding the amount of ways we communicate with our constituents waters each one of them down. I think it strengthens all of them.
1: And our, by the way, our mutual friend of the pod, James Broyhill, JB, just joined online. Welcome, JB, Mr. Broyhill, Good to see the c- power.
2: Uh, so I was about to say, good to see you. I cannot see James, but I, I hope James can good see. Good to us, know that you can and see me. And I hope the power well, of sir. live
1: streaming and interaction. But you know, I, I add one more thing to, to Larkin's point, which is, it's not just about talking about it and relaying information one way. There's two other kind of facets to it, which is um, two way street interaction, which is I think I'd like to get more as we look to where the show goes in the future, more ability for um, the, the public to actually kind of chime in and be part of the conversation and help steer our thoughts in the comments in different things like that, as well as um, with a lot of these folks. A number of ideas, we don't pre-script a lot of stuff. A number of ideas have come up on the fly. Larkin came up with an idea with Senator Jeff Tart and that conversation we had thinking about how can we improve Raleigh-Charlotte relationships of uh, of this kind of barbecue tour where we show... Our, our other, especially more rural areas, because the challenge in the Carolinas right now is this rural-urban divide. How can we go to them and show them we're not the big city who doesn't care about them? We're willing to kind of come humbly to and their talk table. about- To their table. And Larkin loves some barbecue. So, you know- Well,
2: go over to Bee's Barbecue in Pitt County. That is that is very high on my list. My friend Craig, uh, is uh, that is that was his. He, he was an ECU guy. Me and, too. And go he, Pirates. Always was talking about bees barbecue and I've yet to make I did make it to Skylight. I did did make it to Skylight (laughs) Inn recently. And uh, and that was pretty awesome, but bees is very high on the list yeah, get, right now.
0: Get there early; they'll run out, and you'll be stuck in That's line. That's what I've heard. And then uh, you can go over to Washington too. That's my hometown, where I grew up. Yeah. And uh, Bill's hot dogs.
1: Have you Stop seen the, the 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 video kind of uh, play on the two mayors uh, battling for the Amazon RFP? It's funny. If you I haven't don't think seen I it. Have. Well, you need to go watch it. Anyone watch? It's hilarious. I posted it on my Facebook page. But anytime going forward, you hear me say, "Go Tigers!" It's now. Uh, it's <laughs> it's now, a reference uh, to that. It's a it. reference on us giving uh, giving too many taxpayer dollars. Oh, no, I love
0: it. So where did the podcasting idea come from? I mean, it's an amazing platform to connect with your constituents in a way that doesn't feel kind of stilted. Like when you're on camera and you're sit, you know, you're doing a city council meeting, it's very hard to connect. And when you're doing an interview, it just doesn't feel like you're connecting to that person. But when you sit down on a microphone, and you're just chatting. It's easy to kind of develop a relationship with somebody. I think that's why audio has exploded the way it has, because you can feel like you're sitting in the room having a conversation where you can start to know, like, and trust that person. Whose idea
1: was that? Who's going to claim it?
2: Uh, well, we I like actually to say. I don't remember.
1: I, yeah, I do. But here's the deal. Um, <laughs> so I guess it was Tarx. No, no. Because there's, there, no matter who came up with the initial concept, and to be honest, if I'm being totally fair, while, while I was doing podcasting in other realms a couple uh, weeks before this, where we had a few head starts on episodes, the, the political idea actually was floated to me in, wouldn't it be cool to have a podcast where you do something from Warren Cooksey? former District 7 city councilman from a long time ago. And then beyond that, I kind of started, and then Larkin and I became, you know, buds. We became deep buds. And then we became pod buds when we started talking about this, pod it's getting, bros. It's getting weird. It's, it's a next-level relationship. Yeah. So, um, so wh- while it might have originated as a, hey, could this be a thing, I think when we started talking about what it could be and, you know, all those things, it was truly a mutual effort. So, you know.
2: yeah, And we got... I mean, even before we did our first episode, just floating the idea to people, the general consensus was like, that's a really cool idea. I'm surprised that hadn't been done before. And I would listen to that. Yeah. So we, we quickly sensed that there was a, a want and a market for it. And that's proven to be the case. Did you gentlemen know each other before you're on council together? Uh, well only, only in the course of this campaign. Um,
1: so. Funny we had mentioned, uh, uh, the, the joining of, uh, our buddy James Broyhill, J.B. Because J.B. Uh, wait, no, you introduced me to J.B. That's yes, right. Because right. th- we've around. known it.
2: It couldn't have been because I've known James right. since we were sixteen. That's
1: true. So it was the other way around. So actually, how we met was he came over for advice on how to win District One, and I told him with all my history in District One how to do it. And which the, is odd. The that story I, wrote itself, right? <laughs> which is there. odd
2: that I'd ask a guy who lost the race how to win the race. <laughs> You're like, what all the things did you do? Because so I, I can do, do the that. other. You did not do that. So I can do the opposite. <laughs>
1: Yes. Well, don't use the same font on your yard signs that the media ultimately then takes and uses for um, for uh, a lot of the terrorist activity that was occurring in 2007 overseas. That's step one. I
0: don't think I heard that story. Uh, let's not that's, another, it. that's for another pod. That's for another pod, yeah. Oh, I like it. Uh,
2: so what are the long-term plans here? Is this a show that we're going to be hearing every single week? As long as people are listening. I mean, we... It, So we're not doing it every single week calendar wise. We're doing it every single week that there's a council meeting. So the idea is that we go up, we literally go up to Tarek's office immediately after the council meeting, which might end at nine, it might end at 11 uh, and we unpack it right then while it's all still fresh on our mind. Um, Some of the interviews we do with people obviously just, by necessity, will record a day or two in advance and kind of have in the canon. But then our, our breakdown of that night's council meeting is always done right after the council meeting. So this coming week, for instance, we won't have one because we don't meet on the fifth Monday of any month that has a fifth Monday. And we're going on our council retreat next week. So um, there won't be one next week. There will the following. So anytime that, there's a council meeting, there'll be a podcast coming out the next day. And, and that still totals,
1: uh, you know, well over 40 some a, a year. year. So that, I mean that's you know that's, that's a lot of episodes. schedule yeah.
0: absolutely. Uh, so if you're not too busy with R and D in the U.S., I think this would make a fantastic sitcom premise uh, in the future. One's a Republican, one's a Democrat on a podcast. They got a condo uptown.
2: Is there what happens next? Is there? <laughs> this just reminds me of Anchorman where he says, "Man, we should get an apartment together after this yeah, is all over." Yeah. Um, I love. Has you, there man. been? You you would know. Has there been a TV show yet? that encompassed a podcast is kind of the, the core of the show, the foundation of the show. I am glad that you asked. Uh, there is a show coming out
0: in, I think it starts in March and Zach Braff is the, the star. He's the leading guy in that, in that, in the show. And have you heard of Gimlet media? I don't think so. So Gimlet is a, uh, a podcast. Oh man, I am dropping the ball right now. My friends are going to hate me. Um, my word. So they, they create a lot of different podcasts. And he left his job at 37 years old. He had a very good job, a stable job. And he left his job to go start Gimlet Media, which does like the startup podcast. You should check that out. You'd really like it. And it I, is,
1: I, I know what that right, is. So yeah.
0: that's a Gimlet Media show. Uh, and Zach Braff is playing uh, the lead who who left and did that. And it looks awesome. So and it's I don't know based
2: on his own life loosely.
0: Correct. And I don't know if it's going to be awesome to other people, but I mean, I don't, it would have to be really, really bad for me not to like it because I watched the trailer and I was just like,
2: Oh, what's, the, what's the working title? I can only hope it's friend of the pod, which is my favorite expression. Yeah. to use. You know, I podcast. should know that.
0: I've only seen it just the, uh, trailer just came out, so okay. I, I don't remember it, but like I, at least 12 people sent it to me. They were like, do you see this? And I'm like, I
2: saw it. Well, I've, I will give a shout out since we're shouting out, uh, podcast media groups. I will give a shout out to crooked media because, um, I have, I, I, will, I will use the word borrowed. I've used, I've borrowed at least two or three kind of catchphrases from some of the crooked media shows, specifically Pod Save America, formerly keeping it 1600. Mm. And, uh, and so I use the, the phrase friend of the pod a lot. And that's, that's a crooked media. Uh, I don't know if they trademarked that or not, but it's yeah, a crooked I, media, uh, borrow. I feel like that's a little too general, uh, yeah, probably. To, to, to do that. It's got so t-shirts. Wait, and so stuff, we're though. plugging
1: other podcasts. Absolutely. Good, great. You know, there's another one that's fantastic. I actually do. A roughly on average two podcasts a week because I run another one with my, uh, my group of the joint venture called the Carolina FinTech hub podcast.
0: I have listened to this podcast. I mean, it's, good.
1: It's, 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 a little different in nature because we're obviously talking about FinTech, uh, primarily through the whole thing. But I mean, it's, it's probably the strongest podcast that anyone's ever heard. So I need to encourage <laughs> So long him. as they've
2: never heard another podcast. He's so, he's so humble about what he's up to. I, well, I You know, that's, that's what people like people about him. say,
1: yeah, I'm the, I'm the, like, I'm the best at being humble. Like, number one, probably in the city. Of the number freshman two.
2: class, Braxton is the famous one. Tark thinks he's the famous one. That's no, how I, that breaks down. I love ha- walking around with Braxton. It's great, man. Well, that's you the only reason like, anyone knows who either like, of us hey, are. Hey, welcome. This oh, is Braxton. Oh, you're, and his, you're uh, Braxton's his friend. friend. Oh, yeah. yeah, we know
0: well, who Braxton is. Everybody knows who Braxton is. <laughs> and uh, we'd love to have Braxton on the podcast as well. It's nope, a story not, uh, not I'd love to pull Only
2: out. if your show is available in Australia. He... Uh, he's got a big following in Australia you could if you, you could have an
0: internet connection my show is
2: available on the moon I mean he's watching live right
1: now Braxton can we get a confirmation that you will join uh, the podcast here and at some
2: give point? him give him a, a bump in his Australia yeah. viewership yeah I need the Australian it's called the
1: Braxton the, bump right you know I have yeah.
2: a
0: couple of friends in Australia that have a podcast and, and they, they like probably me. know Braxton they-
2: <laughs> I'm you think we're kidding? There was a there was an Australian TV uh, crew, news crew, at our swearing in, and Braxton and I had to switch seats so that the Australian news crew had the best camera angle to capture Braxton.
1: What does that that mean? is all true. Braxton's responded. The hand, like, is that a yes? Is that a raise your hand? I, I think he's volunteering, like, Volunteer? volunteering to
2: come on the show. Confirmed. you're going to get the Braxton bump. So the- I hope
1: Ooh. everyone sees the power of interactive social media here on this session. I mean, this is it. Although, is although it. they
2: also can see some of the challenges, which is interpreting emojis.
1: Ingles is also big in Japan. Oh,
0: I knew that. I knew that. It's hard to track those stats. You don't really always know where the listeners are coming Graham from. Renfro? But is I secretly knew that. Uh, yeah, I went to law school with Mr. Renfro. Mr. Renfro, good guy. He
1: says I can join right now if he accepts my join request.
0: I don't know what that means. I don't.
1: Sorry, Brad. That's you taking it now one level beyond like technical. That, oh, I mean,
0: that we could else. absolutely call into him here. Uh, but yeah, next now. But uh, next I know and now uh, you see
1: the flaws of social media interaction. We've gone off uh, on a tangent.
0: I know the Tark is on a schedule here, so I won't yeah. keep you here all day. Yeah. I feel like I'm already uh, a few minutes over schedule, but oh, I cannot. Man. Oh, man. I uh, I cannot tell you how much I really appreciate you guys taking some time out for me. And uh, I look forward to the episodes uh, and watching that show grow. So awesome. any last words? Thank you for having us on. All thank right. you
1: so much. And by the way, you know, y- your viewership has been strong. Bumping. Strong.
2: That R&D bump. I love it. Just wait till you get the Braxton bump. Woo-hoo. You're going to have to hire a, a PR team. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you. Later. See ya.
0: Alright, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tarek and Larkin as much as I did. This episode was a lot of fun to record. These guys really do have a great dynamic together on the mic. There are not a lot of people that can make a recap of a city council meeting entertaining, but these guys really have nailed it. And I think... That they are really onto something as well. I expect that within the next couple of years, almost every major politician will be harnessing the power of podcasting to speak directly to their constituents. Now, in the spirit of the newly reinstated live streaming of city council meetings, if you're interested in checking out the live Facebook stream of this episode, I have it linked on the blog and in the show notes. Now, if you enjoyed this episode with Tarek and Larkin as much as I did, you will have my undying gratitude and appreciation if you take a quick moment right now to hit that subscribe button on this show. Not only are you going to bring joy to my heart, you're going to get notified when sweet new episodes of the Future Self podcast roll out. And do we ever have some sweet ones in store for you? Over the next few weeks, we'll be sitting down in the punch room with none other than Bob Peters. And we will also have District 37's own Senator Jeff Jackson on the show. All right, before I let you go, one quick reminder about the comprehensive podcasting course at Advent Coworking from idea to iTunes, and you're going to get all that delicious podcasting goodness served up in person by yours truly. Whether you already have an idea or you need some help nailing one down, in just four short weeks, I'm going to help you take that idea and launch it on iTunes. So if you're ready to press play on your own podcast, head on over to yourpod.pro to sign up for details. That's yourpod.pro. Alright listeners, I know that your time is your most valuable asset, so I thank you once again for spending just a little bit of that time with me today. Now until next week, get out there and get after it.